Good morning. Today's scripture comes from Mark chapter 4, verses 1 through 20. And he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And a whole crowd was beside him on the sea on the land, and he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching he said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Another seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil, and when the sun rose, it was scorched. And since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up, and had no root, it withered away. And it choked it and yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasingly yielding 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. And he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, those around him with the 12 asked him about the parables. And he said to them, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see but not perceive, and they may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should, be, should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, do you not understand these parables? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. And these are the ones that fell among the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy, but have no root in themselves, but for a while. Then when the tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately fall away. And others are the ones who sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit, thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. After hearing the Word of God read by Jason Kiley, I th my heart is full already. Uh, that was just, just wonderful, you guys. Well, good morning, everyone. And uh, as, as Glenn mentioned earlier in the worship service, this is actually a Sunday that is known around the world as Ascension Sunday. What that refers to is the ascension of Jesus Christ after the resurrection, his ascension back to the Father. And this is, obviously we celebrate that every week, but this is a, this is a Sunday where we especially remember the significance of the ascension. And I mention that to you because we're about to have a brief time of prayer together. And one of the benefits of the ascension of Christ is that now he's at the right hand of the Father and he intercedes for us. So that means that our weak, imperfect prayers are brought to the Father through the Lord Jesus Christ. And not only that, when he ascended to the Father, he sent the Holy Spirit to indwell the church. And so as we pray, even right now, 
the Holy Spirit interprets our prayers to the Father according to the will of God. That makes prayer very, very powerful. And I'm so glad you kids are here to be a part of this prayer time. I know that sometimes it's hard to sit still during a prayer time. I know years ago, one, one, one little boy said to his dad, Dad, is, how long is Pastor Mike gonna pray? He's a little bit concerned about that, so I understand how that feels. But just think of the fact that the risen and ascended Christ is bringing our prayers to the Father. I wanna let you know, this is a, a little bit of a different prayer that I'm going to pray in a moment. First, there are some things we wanna remember. Uh, so we wanna acknowledge the significance of this week, weekend for thanking God for those that have given their, given their all for our country and the families that have been affected by that. But also our youth group left today for student life camp, so that's where Mark McKinney is. There are 20 students and five adult volunteers going on that trip and we want to pray for them. And then finally, not only that, but we wanna, uh, our nation over the past couple of weeks has been racked with the grief and the sadness of some very difficult events in different Sundays around our nation. And you might think, well, why would we pray about that in church? Well, we're a church that believes in the kingdom of God. We believe in caring about what happens, not just in here, but what happens out there. And so we're going to pray together. We're gonna to unite with churches all around the country, and we're gonna offer up a prayer of lament, a prayer of lament, expressing our sadness about these events and interceding for the comfort of those who have been affected. So in light of all of that, would you please take a moment and just bow with me in prayer as we come before the throne of God. Lord Jesus Christ, we praise you this morning for your ascension and your intercession on our behalf. We praise you that we can come before you in prayer with great confidence. We do give you thanks this weekend for those who have given their best, given their all, given their lives for our country, making it possible for us to worship freely. And we pray for your comfort for those families who this weekend remember the tragic loss of their loved ones. We thank you so much for our youth group. Uh, we thank you for Mark and Amy McKinney, for our volunteers who are involved in working with the youth. And we pray for these five volunteers and especially the 20 middle school and high school students who are going to student life camp this week. We pray that you would keep them safe. We know that quite often the message of the gospel hits home in the hearts of children, these students, in ways that might be uh, in a deeper way than they might experience at other times. And so we pray that you would prepare their hearts and soften their hearts. And we pray that this week that you would use it to change the trajectory of the lives of these middle school and high school students. And now, we, Lord, we turn to some of the tragic events and we pray together this prayer of lament. O oh God, our creator, we praise you that you have created all human beings in your image with beauty and with dignity. We treasure and value all human life from the womb to the tomb. We grieve and lament the tragic and senseless killings in our country, whether it be 
children and teachers in a school in Uvalde, Texas, whether it be the racially motivated killing of 10 people at a Buffalo supermarket a couple of weeks ago, or the shooting of Taiwanese worshipers at a Presbyterian church in Laguna Woods, California. As one of your saints prayed, let my heart be broken with the things that break the heart of God. We pray, O oh Lord, for comfort for the family and friends who today are mourning the loss of loved ones. We pray for healing of the communities ripped apart by violence. We pray for your church as your people offer tangible support and comfort to the broken. We pray for our, the leaders of our country at every level of government who are charged with the protection of our nation's citizens. We pray that they would pursue wise decisions and wise actions to protect our children and to protect all of us. We humbly acknowledge, O oh Lord, the words of Mark 7, 21 to 23, that the sin of murder originates in the human heart. May your church and your gospel counter the evil of murder with the redemption found in Christ. May we be salt and light in our communities, loving our neighbors as Christ has loved us. And Lord, we read in Jonah 3.8, let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. We pray that like ancient Nineveh, our nation would turn from its evil way and experience spiritual revival. In uncertain times, we cling to the promise in Revelation 21, verse four. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Through the risen and ascended Lord Jesus Christ, we pray, amen. Thank you so much for joining with me in that prayer today, and now we get to our sermon. Uh, in the book of Mark, Mark chapter four, we have some of the parables of Jesus. We have the parable of the sower. We have other parables in there. These are parables about the growth of the kingdom. Remember when I was growing up, uh, back in uh, the late 50s and the early 1960s, we had the scariest TV show ever on TV, the scariest show. It was called The Twilight Zone. And we would watch it every week. It was in black and white. And there was this guy that would always get up at the beginning of that show. His name was Rod Serling, and I remember him till this day. And he, will, he stands up in the front of it right before they tell the scariest stories on TV. And Rod Serling would say, imagine if you will. And we're supposed to just imagine this story and we enter into this story. Well, I mention that to you because one of the things that Jesus does, the story of Jesus, this is not a scary story. This is really a fantastic story for all of us. But in a way, Jesus also is saying, imagine if you will. 
because Jesus picks up on this agricultural thing, this experience that they had in ancient culture of a sower sowing seed in order to grow plants and to grow fruit, a sower sowing seed in all of the four different soils. And so there was this, this parable of the sower. So Jesus spoke in these beautiful parables, these illustrations, and this is one of these parables. In some ways, parables were riddles, but they would poke at the imagination. And I talk about imagination for a second because with the kids here, one of the things that you want to know about Splash is that Splash uses what we call rotation stations, and they have imagination station and narration station and memorization station. And they spend time at every station, and they, so they use these these learning styles, these age-appropriate ways of learning, and one of the things that, that they use the most is the imagination station. So what I would like for you to do this morning is to imagine, if you will, this parable of Jesus, to realize that Jesus has his own, for his disciples and all these crowds, this imagination station of telling this parable. Now, what is this parable about? What is going on? Well, I mentioned a moment ago that these are parables of the kingdom, parables of the growth of the kingdom. And we learn from Mark chapter one that when Jesus came and he announced his message, he said that the kingdom of God is near. And what he's saying is that the world is, has a sickness that is called sin, but the kingdom of God invades the world and comes upon the world and clashes with the world because the gospel is the cure for the sickness of sin. And so these parables of the kingdom are explaining how the kingdom of God is coming into a broken world. So it says there that the sower sows the seed. That's one of the verses that we see, the sower sows the seed. Well, who is the sower? The sower in the book of Mark is Jesus himself. In Mark chapters one, chapter two, and chapter three, Jesus is going about preaching the word, and there are a variety of responses to Jesus, and so his disciples are watching this, and the disciples could easily say, why are there so many different responses? Why isn't everybody signing up for the kingdom? Why isn't everybody becoming a follower of Jesus? Because there was opposition to Jesus. There were all of these responses. And so Jesus comes along and he says, well, when, when I'm the sower and I'm sowing the word, you're gonna see these four different types of soil. You're gonna see these different responses. Now, how does that apply to us today? Well, today, the sower is still sowing the word. The ascended Christ, the king, is working through his people, he's working through his church, and the word is being sown broadly around the world, broadly in our community, broadly in our church, the word is being sown. So now the sowers are those of us who on behalf of Jesus are spreading the good news of the gospel and the word of the gospel. And you and I need to know that there are different types of responses, thus the four soils that Jesus talks about in this parable. So we're gonna talk about those four soils today. One more thing before we actually just dig into the four soils. This story has the power to encourage us, but it also has the power to convict us. In fact, it is not unheard of for people during my sermons 
to text someone else in the room to tell them he's speaking to you. There are people in this room that have done that. They'll, say, they'll hear me say something and say, and they'll just text their friend, he's talking to you right now, you should listen. What I would like you to do today is kind of turn that around. Feel free to text each other, you can do that, you can kind of interact about the sermon as you're texting, but today what I'd like you to think about is after the sermon, what would you text yourself? What would you text yourself? What is your takeaway? Because there are four soils, and I want you to think about which of, which of these four soils are you this morning? By the end of this time, I want you to know that. So let's go through and let's talk about these four soils. We're gonna actually look, not at the whole parable. Those kids did an amazing job reading all 20 verses, but what we have here, we're gonna focus on the explanation of the parable in verse 13. So let's talk about soil number one. This is the, when the seed falls along the path, the beaten path where people walk. Look at what Jesus says in verse 14. He says, the sower sows the word, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. So the first soil is really not a soil at all. It's like a sidewalk. It's like a path. It's where people walk. And the agricultural method back in ancient Palestine was to sow the seed broadly, and then they would sort of till the land and that kind of thing. But this is seed that falls along the path where people work, walk, and so it's hardened, and the seed doesn't even take. In fact, the, the birds come and take the seed. Or as Jesus says what's happening here, the devil comes and takes the seed so that it doesn't find a place in the soil of your heart. Now what's going on with that? There are times when God wants to deliver his word to you, but you're not it's, not, it's going totally past you. And this is the first type of soil. You know, in our neighborhood, we have more and more uh, deliveries from Amazon and other, other people that deliver these packages to our doors, and occasionally somebody will put out a notice saying, hey, there was a package that was supposed to come to my door, but it was stolen. Some of, that, some of these people have videos of people that will steal packages, and so you're supposed to receive a package, but it never gets to you. That is an image of what Satan does with the Word of God and the seed of the Word of God if it doesn't find a place where it's rooted in your heart is that Satan wants to come and snatch the Word from you. And I want you to understand from this when Jesus says that this is what Satan wants to do, I want you to know that there is a battle for your heart. There is a battle for your soul. It is it is good news that God wants to bring your way. God wants the word to find a place where it's rooted in your heart, but the devil comes and snatches the word. So here's the application from this first soil. All of us here need to know that every day God is sending us his version of an Amazon delivery right to our doorstep. So on Sunday morning, it might be in the message that you hear in a class or in a sermon or in our worship service. The word of God is coming your way. And what you need to do is you need to be here, you need to listen to the word of God. 
Every day, God delivers his word to you. Every day, he wants you to open up your Bible, to read it, and to take it into your heart. But if you're too busy for the word of God, if you're too busy to gather for worship, if you're too busy for the seed to come into your heart, then the devil is gonna come and snatch it away. So think about that, that's the first soil. Now let's get to the, the second soil that Jesus talks about. Look at what he says beginning at verse 16. Soil number two, this is the soil that is rocky ground, rocky soil. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy, and they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. So this is a person who might hear the gospel at church or from a friend, and receive it and get excited about it, but the word doesn't develop roots in their heart. And so then when persecution comes along, when hard times come along, the, the plant gets uprooted and it does not last. We have a couple trees in our yard that when we've had hurricanes, when we've, we've had storms, we've had trees just blow over. And we've had to sort of replant those trees and make sure that they have roots that go down deeply. Because when a tree has roots that go down deep, they can withstand a storm. But there is a temptation, isn't there? A lot of people believe that the Christian life is supposed to be an easy and a happy life, and so they are shocked when somebody persecutes them for being a Christian, when they are ostracized for being a Christian, or when people go through a really hard time in their life, when they go through a season of suffering, and there is a temptation to abandon the faith because they didn't think that the Christian life had suffering. Remember when I was in high school, I ran on the track team, uh, Coach Trim was my coach, and I remember early in my, my years as a track runner, it, was, it got to be really tough to be involved in that sport, to come every day after school for, for my workout, and I remember talking to my coach, Coach Trim, one time, and I thought, you know, if I, just, if I just quit track and get a job, I could make money and I wouldn't have to go through all this stuff. And I remember going up to Coach Trim and telling Coach Trim, Coach, I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna quit track because I wanna work and I wanna get a job. I was probably a sophomore in high school, maybe a junior in high school. Coach Trim was really tall, way above me, but he looked down at me as if he was like a second dad to me. And he walked me through this. He says, Mike, you're gonna be able to work the rest of your life, but you're not gonna be able to run track again. And I remember in that one, one conversation, I was tempted to quit track, but Coach Trim taught me into staying. And I mention that because in the Christian life, there are hard times, there will be times when you will be tempted to quit when things aren't going your way, and it's a lot harder even than track. There will be times when you will be tempted to give up on the faith, and all of us need a spiritual Coach Trim in our lives, somebody that will talk to us. Even today, if you're in a spot where you're thinking about, hey, I've thought about following Jesus, I was excited for a while, but now I'm gonna back off and I'm gonna, I'm gonna drop out of the race, I'm gonna drop out of the Christian life, you need to talk to somebody. You need a spiritual coach trim in your life 
and you need to develop roots in the word of God. And what Jesus is saying here is he wants you to be better soil, not shallow soil where the word doesn't develop roots, but he wants us all to sink our roots down into the word of God and grow deep roots. You know, the Splash Kids, I was reading just this morning, I was reading the Surf Report, which comes out on Sunday mornings uh, from Splash. I forget whether it's weekly or every other week or every month, but I was reading the Surf Report and looking at what they're doing. I wanna tell you something that the Splash Kids are doing this summer. They've already done this with the Old Testament, but they have a biblical literacy plan in Splash for our children. So get this, this summer, all the kids, there's a goal for all, all of the children to learn the books of the New Testament. What's happening in the lives of those kids is that Splash, for those kids, Splash is setting goals for them, and they are sinking their roots down in the Bible. And that's turning those kids, and it's, it's tilling up the soil in their hearts, and they will develop biblical literacy. Now the reason I share that story is that while children are getting biblically literate in Splash, a lot of us as adults are not reading God's word. We don't have any goals to get to know the Old Testament or to get to know the New Testament, to learn the genres of the Bible, the types of writing that are there, to learn about the Gospels or the Epistles or the Psalms or Proverbs or Old Testament narratives. We don't have any goals to sink our roots deep down into the Word of God. And so my challenge to you this morning is to not, be, not have a Christian life that's 3,000 miles wide and an inch deep, but, but develop some depth in your life, set some goals, read the Bible, get to know God's word, and if you need a plan for that, I can help you, but Jesus wants you to not be this shallow, unrooted soil, but we, he wants you to be firm and solid so that when those storms come up in your life, you won't, be, you won't quit the faith. So that's the second Type of, uh, type of soil that we have here. Let's go on to the third one, because it just gets progressively more convicting as we go along, so please stay with me. Soil number three is the soil with the thorns. Sarah talked about that earlier, so let's take a look at that. Starting in verse 18, check this out. And I want you to follow along carefully with this verse right now, because I would say that this verse is probably the most con one of the most convicting verses in the Bible if you are a Christian living in Central Florida in 2022. One of the most convicting verses in the Bible. Let's take a look at it. Verse 18, and others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. Now I want you to notice the three thorns that are listed in that passage and see if you can relate to those. Look, at, look again at verse 19. Number one, the cares of the world, they enter in and they choke the word. Those are like thorns that'll choke the word in your life. The second one is the deceitfulness of riches. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about how riches will deceive you? Riches will make you think that they're the pathway to happiness. Riches will think you always need to have more. 
The Bible talks about the deceitfulness of riches. It, is, it, 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 it promises something, but it is a mirage. It is deceitful. That's the second thorn, the deceitfulness of riches. And then the next one is the desires for other things. That could be all kinds of things. But have you ever had a desire that takes you away from the Lord? Something that becomes more important than God. You know, I, was, I, was, I really appreciated Glenn leading us in a prayer of confession this morning. I wonder if you listened to the words. She talked about confessing our sin of putting other things in place of God. Confessing our sin of not putting God first. Now, why is this the most one of the most convicting verses in the Bible for Christians in Central Florida? Well, when we planted Lake Baldwin Church, we did a little bit of demographic research. Do you know that in this area, you have a higher than the national average education? So compliments to you all. A lot of people that have gone to college, a lot of people that have gone to graduate school. And then get this one, and you won't be surprised by this, but a higher than the national average in recreation, in recreation. And so what happens is, and, and then you add to that the income. I mean, just to live in Central Florida, the income that you have to have to have a house and all of those type of things and the sort of the temptation of the deceitfulness of riches. And so some of us, our, our heart is like my yard. So you have some St. Augustine grass here and then you have some crabgrass over here and that crabgrass can't be stopped and both of them are fighting to conquer my yard and I want the good grass to win. And for all of us in this room, you guys, myself included, those three things, the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things, they are competing for your heart. You know, it might be, it might be all kind. it might be travel, it might be soccer, it might be leisure, it might be recreation. But be aware of the fact that there is a battle going on. We said that Satan wants to snatch the word. And those three things are there. And so what you have to do, here's my challenge to you, is you have to combat it. You have to make some choices. You have to make some decisions to fight off and to defang those thorns that, are, that have a tendency to choke the word in your life. And the challenging thing is that there, there are so many Christians all around us who themselves are caught up in those things that you just feel a, weird, a little bit weird going against the tide sometimes. One of the most successful men that I know used to attend Lake Baldwin Church. He and his family moved to another city. But I just want to mention this individual as an example, one of the most successful people I know. In other words, all these things, the worries of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desire for other things that could choke the word. One of the things I noticed about my friend, and a lot of you don't know him, so don't try, you don't need to try to guess who he is, but one of the things I noticed about him is that he would put boundaries in his life to fight those things. Let me tell you what some of his boundaries were about the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things. One of those boundaries is he would get his family to church every Sunday unless he was providentially hindered. It was a priority. Now come Monday, Monday through Friday, Monday through Saturday, this guy was just so 
uh, he had so many demands on his life. And so, but what he would do on, with his Sundays with him, his wife, and their children, they wanted their children to be in the youth group, they wanted to be in worship, and every Sunday that they were in town, they were here worshiping God. That was one of the boundaries that he put in his life, and that's how you fight it. The other thing that they did, they had a commitment to, is a commitment to tithing, a commitment to giving financially. Because one of the ways to break the stranglehold of the thorn of the deceitfulness of riches is through gospel generosity, giving 10% of our income to the Lord. And this family was committed to that. In fact, they'd said to me, Mike, we should probably feel like we should give more because they, God had blessed them with so much. And so the tithe for them wasn't just a limit or a rule, but it was a good starting point for them. But those are some of the, the boundaries that they put in their life, and they put other boundaries in their life. And what has happened with this family is they have gone on to not only walk with the Lord to bear fruit in their lives, but they have seen God use them in an incredible way to expand the kingdom of God. This is one of the most successful people that I've ever known. In fact, when they would come to church, this guy committed when he was here once a month to serve in our setup and teardown teams. And this was a guy that it could have been so far above that. He could have had so much pride, so much money, so many reasons to not serve, but he signed up to serve every month. Those are boundaries that he put in his life. And I believe that God has really blessed that to sort of deal with some of those thorns in his life. My challenge to you is you might not exactly be like that person, but all of us in this room are in a battle against those thorns. And we don't want to be the thorny soil. We need to uproot those thorns. We need to uproot. You need to send a text to yourself right now saying this is the day to uproot my overcommitment to money, to uproot my overcommitment to travel or recreation or whatever it might be, and to put God first in my life. Fourth soil, let's look at the last one. This is, a, this is the one that goes on and bears fruit, and look at what it says there in verse 20. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. So this is good soil. This is, and when it uses the term good soil, what it's talking about is a receptive heart to the Word of God. This is a heart. Notice what it says here about this heart. They hear the Word. So they're, they're, they're in a place where they're hearing the Word. So they're in church. They're reading their Bible on a daily basis. They hear the Word. But it also says that they accept the word. And the powerful thing about the word, this is the word of the gospel. This is the word of the gospel, the word of grace. It says that what that word does is as they accept it, the word has this power to bear fruit in their life 30, 60, and 100 fold. Now what's that talking about, bearing fruit in your life? Again, this is the word coming along and this is the kingdom of God coming into your life and you're fighting off those other things, Colossians chapter one talks about this. It says that the gospel has the power to bear fruit in your life, to bear fruit among you in the church, and to also bear fruit in all the world. So the gospel has this power to bear fruit. And so you need to work on being good soil and having good soil in your heart.
When I was a kid, uh, my family lived uh, near Frankfurt, Germany. We lived in a little town called Moorfelden, and the name of our street was Blumenstrasse, which means Flower Street. And across the street from our house was this cemetery, but they would have these wild raspberries that go there. And I have this vivid memory in my mind of just going across the street during raspberry season and just picking off these huge, sumptuous raspberries. And they were, they were so good. And what God is saying in this passage, what Jesus is saying here, is that we want that seed to bear fruit in our lives. So what is fruit? Well, it's transformed character. It is the fruit of good works as God uses you. It affects the entire trajectory of your life. In a way, this is like Coach Trim when he said to me, Mike, don't give up track right now and go get a job, stick with it. That changed the trajectory of my life. He intercepted me. And so what this passage is saying is that if you have good soil in your life, your heart, your life will be changed, it'll bear fruit. We are talking, you guys, in this story about the future trajectory of your life, and I want to challenge you to fight to have good soil in your heart. And some of you might be thinking, well, Mike, why would I do that? It just feels like, gosh, you're talking about, you know, do I have to get up and read my Bible when I want to do other things? Yes. Do I... Do I have to go to church on Sundays rather than go to, yeah, that's what we're saying. And do I have to like uh, give of my financial resources? God call me to that and not be deceived by riches? Yes, I believe God calls us to all of that and start as young in your life as you can with all of those things. And you're thinking, Mike, if I do that, I'm going to die. I have all this other stuff I want to do and I don't necessarily want to do that. Mike, can you tell me this will be worth it? I want to be your coach trim right now. It is going to be worth it. Let the word of God change your life. And the reason you do it, there is a promise in Romans chapter 8, 32 about Christ himself. And it, it establishes how much God loves you and how he's worthy of your trust. Romans 8, 32 says, he who did not spare his own son, but he gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him, with Christ, give you all things, everything that you need, but you need to put Jesus first. So let's do that today. Let's think about that today. Let's think about the risen Christ. Would you pray with me? Oh Lord, we uh, thank you for this, your word. And I, I want to be even so bold this morning as to pray that this scripture the very words of Jesus in this parable would find receptive soil in the heart of every person watching online and every person in this worship service and every person who listens to this sermon in the future. Would, the, would this word fall on soil that is receptive and receives the word? We pray, Lord, for the power of the gospel to work in our hearts, to bear fruit 30, 60, and 100-fold. We pray these prayers in the name of the ascended Christ. Amen.